Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Trash or Treasure, we explore the intersection between real estate and resource recovery. Today's guest is Jennifer McDonald, a seasoned professional in the resource recovery space, currently working in municipal government. Jennifer has previously worked at Whole Foods Markets and at Costello Organics. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Hi, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a working mom. I live in Queens uh, and i am dedicated my career uh, to reducing our society's waste. So walk us through resource recovery. What is that? It depends on who you are. To me, it's uh, an emerging field. And at the same time, it's one of the oldest uh, functions of humans in the sense that, you know, we as people have always had to rely on what the earth gives us, you know, what's around us to live, whether it's for food or shelter. And as we've evolved, that's become increasingly complex. You know, science has enabled us to develop technologically more sophisticated materials and products. Um, And along the way, we've tried to keep up with how we can recover those materials and resources and, and repurpose them. So when we say resource recovery, is that the new version of the term waste management or waste garbage recycling or or how is that different? Yeah, I think the term's being used more in the context of circular economy. I don't know if you've heard that sort of buzzword as well, but it's it's the idea that, um, you know, we're trying to recreate the cycle of goods and materials from what used to be called the take make waste model where, you know, you, you find things, you make them into stuff and then you're done and you waste it to do a more circular um, vision, if you will, of taking things, using them, making them, but then making them into something else. And, and that's the idea of the circular economy. And that's how resource recovery fits into that. You want to, you know, reuse those resources and uh, make them into something else or keep them in circulation. So is the, is putting waste into a landfill non-circular? Yes, that's the explicit. <laughs> no circle. <laughs> there you go. So so when so the future of 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 the of the work that you're doing and the and the thinking that you um you've contributed to is really around how we we no longer have a waste management issue, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we only have raw materials, you know, to input into another process. We're only continuously circulating things of value rather than extracting and, and wasting or disposing things that we, we can't um, find value from. Um, a really good reference, if you're interested in learning more about this, um, is um, the Cradle to Cradle book. It's one of the ones I read probably 15 years ago that got me hooked on this. It's um, it's also called like the McDonough Brongart chemistry, but you know, they, they, their philosophy and it's, it's somewhat simplistic, but it, it's helpful to understand is, you know, there's sort of natural and technical nutrient cycles, right? And so 
we want to keep things in either the natural nutrient cycle, think about it like water, air, soil, organic matter, or technical like minerals, um, the built environment, rocks, things like that. You know, what we've done though, is kind of jumbled those together. Um, and sometimes segregating them is what, you know, makes resource recovery more difficult. So when you when you talk about that, when I think of resource recovery or waste management or recycling, you know, and when I was younger, it all started with bottles and cans and you separated them out. And now today in my apartment in Miami, there's a separate bin where you, you know, where you, where you separate the recyclables. But it, it's complicated, like some some buildings, some places, some cities, they recycle the plastic bags from the supermarket. Some cities, they don't. I mean, it seems like a bit of a hodgepodge, but you seem to be speaking at a higher level, things like resources like water and air and 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 silt and rock. And that is, I mean, is is that because we are now, as we've gotten more sophisticated about and, and more more knowledgeable about the value of recycling, that we're now just adding more and more things that we can recycle? Or is it is this still different than the cans and bottles that, that I think of when I think of recycling? Yeah, I think they're related and it depends on your context, right? Like some of the work that I do is in really big municipal infrastructure. So that's one of the reasons I'm sort of thinking about that scale as well. But certainly as individuals, our, our opportunity to participate is more at that sort of bottling can level, if you will. But I think one of the reasons we're seeing more focus on both levels, whether it be sort of the, the higher level systems thinking or the um, you know, individual level behavior and ability to contribute is, is climate, right? I think we're starting to understand and there's more information about how materials use and extraction is related to climate impacts um, from our, our behaviors and the way we've chosen to either alter the environment um, or utilize our resources. So, um, there's good information out there that's motivating us to think about maybe different ways um, to cycle these resources. Like there are some, there's some resources that I think shouldn't come back. Like my ham sandwich. Like I don't want to see that again. You, you'll see it once. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. That's about it. Like I don't want to see that coming back, you know, in the form of a, um, of, of a, of a plastic ashtray or something. It so, would probably hurt a lot if it came back that way. <laughs> so, so um, but it's not to, not to dumb this down a little bit, but I think the things that, that just are not recyclable, right? Like, like marshmallow peeps. Okay. The, these, these things, they're just these candies, these items that, that are just, will just sit around forever. I mean, are there things, are, are there things that we've produced in the world that are just unable to be recycled or reused or repurposed or recovered? Absolutely. Yeah. And it, I, the marshmallow peeps, I don't, I guess what I'm scared about with those is like their color sometimes. <laughs> Um, uh, maybe another example that I'm learning more about is like wind turbine blades, right? And this is a good example of like unintended consequences, but wind turbines are made of this very highly engineered, sophisticated composite material that you can't do anything else with once they're not good for spinning. So I've even heard stories of landfills um, banning them because they take up so much space. Like you show up with this giant old wind turbine and, and the landfill says, uh-uh, that's, first of all, you're not gonna be able to pay. That's really expensive. You're gonna take up a lot of space because we charge by, you know, volume. 
Um, but you know, what, there's nothing else to do with it. So that's another thing that's forcing some of these looks at materials, right. And, and what types of materials are we using? But what I'm hopeful about is that technology is starting to, or continuing to mature. And I was listening to a nice, um, webinar yesterday about, um, circularity in in Europe and they're talking about like the Willy Wonka approach to materials right like we have to stop thinking of things maybe the way that we're used to or that makes sense to us like how many when you watched the chocolate factory were you like oh my god I want that gum I was like oh my god I want that gum because it's so cool right and maybe there's stuff that comes that we don't even know about well I think the thing about Willy Wonka that impressed me with it is that everything was edible and so, so, so instead of, I guess, throwing away your, 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 your iPad or putting it in a landfill, I guess, if you could eat it, that probably would be the, the ultimate recycling. <laughs> yeah, for real. But I mean, like we should challenge our thinking and, and, you know, at least that's how I, I want to approach some of the challenges. Cause you're right. There's stuff out there that's, you know, we, we can't do stuff with, and it's nasty and we're going to have to deal with it. Right. There's whole toxic legacies of things we learned after the fact, like, Oh, that was not good. Lead paint, right. Lead gasoline being prime examples. And we figured out how to engineer that out of our fuel and out of our paints. And I, I just have faith in technology because it's, you know, advancing at a breakneck speed um, to deal with some of the stuff we haven't figured out yet. So you had originally started this conversation talking about the evolution of recovery. Um, and when I think about evolution, I think about the beginning of time. And when I think about the beginning of civilizations, I think all of civilizations that were ever, well, most of them that were destroyed in some way were in part because of that civilization's inability to manage waste properly. And thus disease, uh, and thus famines, and thus viruses, the plague, you name it, were directly caused to how that civilization managed their resources. Do we see, so what's changed, right? So okay. obviously a lot's changed since the Incas and the, and, 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 and the bacteria uh, of that era, but some things haven't, right? We're still, we're in a pandemic where, you know, population density has created problems. What what have we seen over the centuries that he's evolved with regards to waste management and recovery? Well, one thing that certainly evolved is, is rules and regulations, right? Like, that's a big part of my work, like it or not. I mean, I guess you could say we like it because uh, it protects us, but it certainly made everything more complex. Um, and so I often think about that and sometimes wonder if we've made things too complex. Um, but I understand, you know, public policy, certainly that's a large part of the world that I live in, you know, it's intended to protect the people and improve our society. It gets a little tricky when it gets too political and you start making rules for the sake of maybe making a rule rather than actually achieving a desired outcome. But, um, you know, I think that maybe some things have changed like that complexity, but to your point, we're still dealing with the same challenges, right? We're going through a pandemic, which is the same thing as a plague, I think. So, you know, it makes me wonder what is it about us humans um, that keeps us repeating our history, right? Like, 
Well, that's an interesting comment. Let's talk about that for a second. Enforcement versus inducement, right? There's a certain amount of enforcement has to happen at the government level. And then also, I think, for private companies to buy in, for construction companies to buy in, for people to buy in in, in a city, there has to be an advantage to, shown to them, a, a, a financial benefit, a productivity benefit, um, uh, a tax benefit, right? Things that can, that, that can induce someone to doing something. Sometimes it's easier, you know, carrot versus stick, right? That's that kind of thing. Where, where do you fall on that and how do you balance that? Yeah, well, I like the idea of inducements because certainly they work and I've been proven to work, but I wish we had other ones besides just financials, right? Like what if happiness was an inducement? What if satisfaction was an inducement? You know, I mean, what if, what if we were motivated by doing things that made us um, feel better or things that were better for others? I mean, I, I like, I liken that to some of the perhaps opportunity in the space around behavior um, and getting more people to say recycle, you know, we still have a sort of mediocre participation rate in America. And if you look globally, um, there are people who've done better <laughs> than us in sort of, you know, participation. Um, and I, you know, I don't know what their inducements are, but um, I'm curious if you guys, you know, what, what would motivate you to maybe go out of your way to recycle something? Yeah, I can tell you one actually, because there was um there was a study that was done a while back. Actually, it was more of like an experiment in Asia. I want to say it was Japan a number of years ago to 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 figure out how to induce the population to recycle. And what they did is they they had these garbage bins, and the one the one bin on the left, which was just just regular trash, and then there was a bin in the middle which was papers or whatever. And there was a there was another bin on the right that was recycled, and there was a label next to each receptacle, each hole. And one, the hole on the left, the regular trash said IQ 10. And the one on the, on the right, the recycling said IQ 140 plus. And the, and the, the middle hole, something like an IQ level of, of like 70. Right. And so if, you know, if you felt like your IQ was high, <laughs> you would then put your garbage in the right receptacle, i.e. recycle. And if you were, if you admitted that you were a complete idiot, uh, then you would put uh, it in the trash. And so there was a, it, it, maybe when you say happiness, perhaps, or maybe satisfaction or, or confidence or whatever, whatever that, that, that inducement is, that was a really good way to be able to say smarter people recycle. Are you smart or are you not? And you self-select accordingly, but basically everyone put the trash where they needed to put it and society was good. So I would say that's a really good example. I think she's more of that. Well, from my point of view, I would say, I think unless there's an inducement, like I'm a corporation and there's an inducement financial or productivity, I think for a corporation, that's very important because that's their lifeblood, right? That's what determines whether they survive or not, whether they grow or not. But for an individual, I think a lot of individuals want to do the right thing. The problem is how easy is it to do the right thing? I think the easier it is to recycle, the more people will recycle because it doesn't matter how altruistic you appeal, how you appeal to someone's altruism. If it's, if it's complicated, if it's time consuming, if it's it's a mess. People are going to start doing it and then do it less and forget to do it if it's easy. 
like you have now in my building there are separate big trash containers you just drop into one you drop in the other you know it's as, as it becomes easier i think more people do it but i did have a question for you jennifer i remember when i was younger everyone pretty much buys into recycling now but i remember when i was younger and people were were trying to induce more recycling of of the original things the aluminum cans the bottles the cartons the papers there were some people who were arguing that it wasn't actually efficient, that the amount of energy needed to transport the can to the facility, the amount of energy that was burned, the amount of, 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 uh, of, of, of carbon that was burned in order to recycle and then to ship back, that was worse in terms of the environment than the actual, than the actual throwing it away. I, did you ever hear that? And how do, you, how, do you, did you, how do you bang people over the head on that and get them to think better? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, sometimes they're right, frankly, and a lot of that comes down to participation, like we're, we were talking about previously. If you don't have a critical mass, like if you're not filling a truck up, then you're going to be inefficient. Um, I think the, the, the numbers on remanufacturing, like the energy input to make an aluminum can out of virgin ore versus recycled ore is very clear benefit, very clear. Um, but you certainly got to look at the whole picture, right? You can't just look at one piece. You got to look at the logistics and moving stuff around. And for those who are fans of the organics program in New York City um, or followed it, um, that was one of the biggest arguments that resulted in its cancellation during the pandemic. And that was that it was really inefficient to collect. Um, and it's because we it, we had really poor participation in this city. We had about 10% of the eligible households um, elect to segregate their their food scraps and their yard waste for the the voluntary curbside pickup. So that's something that, you know, I'm really interested in thinking about more and figuring out what's the right answer for say a dense urban metropolis like New York for a icky um waste stream that we're trying to figure out how to recover. Um, you know, when you think about the city and I've come across this um in a couple of my other jobs, Space and logistics always come up. So when you talk about space and logistics and, and then carbon resources, I, I naturally go to human resources and to think about, okay, well, you've got all of this work and industry around the recycling, but you also have to have people that pick up the trash. Right? You have to have people that sort the trash. And so if there's a human resource challenge anywhere in that pipeline, then, then, then the process breaks down. So uh, I know that obviously the pandemic, there was a resource challenge because people just didn't want to you know, leave the house for the, for the most part. But I feel like there's always going to be a resource challenge unless we think a little bit differently about how we do things. Where do we see that moving forward? Do we see solutions with robotics? Do we see solutions that people, that people are doing more self-service? Like, are, we, are we thinking about the resource human resource as a, as a challenge, as well as the other stuff? I think we have to be, you know, I know that the private sector is um, certainly on the back end, so to speak, like the, at the landfills or at the transfer stations or at the, we call them material recovery facilities where loads show up and you can sort out things. Um, robotics and AI are all up in that <laughs> that's like the if you go to like the waste expo that's their big national conference they have you know it's it's robotics it's lasers it's computer learning it's um you know data driven analytics about what's coming in what's valuable i mean they're using optical sorting to even be able to help one 
company recover its own bottle. Like if Pepsi says, I want to reuse my own bottles because I have like this PR thing. Like I want to hire you to pick out my bottles from the trash and give them back to me. Um, so that's like something that I heard is out there being developed. Um, you know, that human element, the human resource element is really us as individuals participating as we've talked about or in sort of the collection and conveyance. Um, you know, I know there's self-driving cars. I've heard of this. I haven't heard of any self-driving refuse or collection trucks. Well, it's so funny you say that because I was just going to say when I was five years old and I first noticed how the garbage in my house got picked up, you put the garbage at the end of the road and they came by once a week or twice a week and picked it up. I'm now 60 and it's still the exact same thing. If you're in New York City and you wake up in the morning on Thursday and Thursday's delivery pickup, the corner of your building has 600 bags of garbage sitting there with the rats going through it, waiting for the truck to pick them up. So I think you're 100% on. We have to evolve technologically to do a better job. Naturally, I think of Wally, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. Eva, Eva. Yeah. So Speaking of that, I mean, I think obviously if we just put a fast forward into the future, right? Uh, you know, do, do we, when we obviously we're going to run out of landfills, there's no more land to, to fill. Uh, we run out of, um, you know, we're, 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 we're shooting stuff into our environment and our atmosphere. So we can't really burn stuff anymore. Uh, and so now we're in this recycle, but there's still a legacy of, gar of garbage and trash that needs to be sorted through. You know, as much as we do in the first world, there's always a third or second world that doesn't have the resources or the, or the thinking or the, the, the infrastructure for that matter. Or the money. Or the money to do something. So it's always going to be trash. So what, what do we do with that? Do we do we eject it into space? Uh, where 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 are we where are we going? What's Where's the, Elon Musk when we need him? I know Elon. Are you taking your trash back to Earth? With what, what, you? Wasn't there a movie with Ben Stiller and Jack Black where Jack Black invents a gun? You just shoot the dog shit, and the dog shit would disappear, and nobody knew where it went. And then it did in the movie. It all came back. I mean. <laughs> There's no way. That's kind of the joke in our industry. Like, sure, throw it away. Where's the way? There's no way. You know, stuff doesn't just go away. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm sort of a, not probably going to make it to outer space, but I will say that um, one thing that's happened that I'm impressed by is landfill mining. Um, we haven't done it so much in our country. We've done it a little bit at what are called ash fills. So you said, you mentioned, Alex, like, burning we you know incineration is maybe the more technical <laughs> word um but incinerators have an ash right and the ash gets buried and usually a monofill we call it where you just put the ash and because incinerators burn but they can't burn metal some of the incinerators have been operating you know since you know 60s 50s whatever you go back to those monofills you dig them up and you mine the metals out that's happened that's happening there's a business case for it the the metals are valuable but it's easier to mine a ash fill than it is a regular landfill where everything's all mixed together so we haven't i haven't seen any um municipal or sort of that mixed waste landfilling mining but i think it could happen that would be a prediction i'd wager to make does that mean that uh, we might see more landfills because there's now multi-use? It's not just to get rid of the garbage, but then we can go back in and mine from the landfill? Or are we basically out of real estate and, and no one is permitting a new landfill anywhere in any major city and, and, and we're done with that? I don't 
think the real estate's as much as the problem as the community opposition. People don't want to live near them. Um, and they're really problematic from a greenhouse gas perspective because they're anaerobic environments and they release methane, which is super bad. And then we once have an issue where we were putting garbage on barges, like whether, whether it was the, uh, New York City or Boston, and they were sending the barges of garbage to another place, another state where they did have the landfill or where they were burning it. I mean, we're literally, the garbage is living better than we are, taking boat trips and... It's called, it's called Jersey. <laughs> well, I thought I would say Staten Island, but... <laughs> so, no, I mean, I think there's a, there's a good point there because I think that um, this is whole out of sight, out of mind mentality, right? And just sort of put the garbage somewhere, put put some dirt over it. I can't, I don't want to see it. And it's, and it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's gone, but then it crops up and comes back and hits us in the, in the bum because of the methane or what have you. So I know that we, we, you know, we talked a little bit about um, on previous episodes, utilization of the oceans and perhaps, you know, are there opportunities to put some type of trash in, in the oceans and thus recreating artificial uh, reefs and so forth to, to, to promote aquatic life that then breathes, you know, they break, that breeds new civilization. Right. And, 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 and Aquaman. Right. Early. <laughs> <laughs> That's where your transition from waste to a resource, right? You're not going to put a waste in the ocean. You're going to put a resource in there and it's going to add value and it's going to make a product. And then we can be done with this idea of waste. It's just that it's like a byproduct of one process or system becomes an input for another one. I mean, that's, I think, the, the vision, right, of us who consider ourselves resource recovery practitioners is like, we're trying to set up these loops. We're trying to connect people, find technologies, and put stuff to good use. And we've done a great job in this country anyway. I mean, in terms of looking the last 30, 40, 50 years, the quality of our water, our rivers, our, our, uh, our, the oceans, the cities, the recycling, the air quality pollution has gotten much better, right? I think that's one of the incentives you mentioned earlier, you know, how do, you know, what would make somebody be more involved in recycling, et cetera. I think the more we advertise the positive, Instead of telling people we have to do this, the environment is terrible, climate is terrible, maybe if we emphasize also, look at the difference in our oceans, look at the difference in the pollution in the waters, look at the difference in our air quality in Los Angeles, let's say 30 years ago to today, I think that might excite some people. Yeah, except the people who weren't there 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> they're dead, they're in their own landfill, but they're, but they're being recycled too organically, so except for the teeth, we have a problem with the teeth. So uh, <laughs> that being said, uh, there is a there is a um, I'm sure there's a holy grail somewhere uh, in this, and I, I'm sure that you and your teams are, are working on it. Well, yeah, but what what would you say um, is the best idea that you've heard so far, or perhaps an emerging idea that you think is quite interesting uh, um, in the resource recovery space that would probably take hold? Uh, in years to come, maybe not quite here, here, here yet, but but something that we can look forward to. Ooh, I mean, I like to go back to the classics for inspiration, but like ice cream cones and bananas. Okay, they're like the perfect thing because they come in there. You know, 
Ice cream cone has no waste. Eat the whole thing. Bananas come in their own packaging because um, we have a lot of packaging we have to deal with. Um, but I don't know about like the next big thing. That's an interesting one. Edible clothes. To your point, like eat your phone or eat your. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't they already? Don't we already have edible underwear? I, I think we've already been there. I think we 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 we, we I, didn't we have edibles in like the eighties? I mean, talk about indigestion. <laughs> <laughs> what are you chewing on? No, nothing. <laughs> I, I think that's I think that's a brilliant idea. I think I love I love the simplification of ice cream and bananas. I think that's gonna that is gonna be the uh, that's the future. I, I love the thinking around that. So um, I think we've, we've we've just scratched the surface um, of talking about the future of resource recovery. I think we've scratched the surface and talking about how civilization will continue to thrive with a better approach to how we manage waste. And I just cannot wait um, to see the great work that you guys are, are doing uh, on your end to, 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 change, to change the future and what we know about the space. So I wanna thank you uh, for coming on the show, sharing your insight, and just sharing a few laughs with us about about what's about what's next in your field. Yeah, Jennifer, I want to add that uh, you know it's leaders like yourself that are working very hard to improve the environment, to improve the, our quality of lives, uh, and that we need people like yourself to do that kind of to lead that kind of charge. Uh, to constantly be finding ways to improve on what we're doing. So I want to thank you for coming on and I want to thank you for everything you're doing. Oh my gosh. Do you know what? It makes me really happy. So I'm glad to, to do everything that I'm able to do and to have a chance to speak with you about it because we got to spread the word. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. All right. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.